It's the show after the show. This is the After 9 Podcast with Scott and Kat. A little thank you here to everybody still downloading the After 9 Podcast. I know that this was kind of an in the car on your way home thing to do or Mm -hmm. something to do at work. And now there's very few people in the car and very few people at work. So thank you for still downloading. We appreciate you. Scott and Kat, After 9 continues. And... Let's see here. Do I want to do DMs? Do you do you want to talk about uh, our chief medical officer of health? <laughs> where, where do you want to start today, Kat? <laughs> um, let's start with some DMs. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Guys, thank you very much for the information. Love your perspective. Uh, thank you for continuing to play Missed Connections in the podcast. Scott, what do you think of Dr. Teresa Tam? <laughs> Getting into that in a few minutes. Don't worry. Uh, Guys, love your show. Tuning into your podcast through COVID-19. Thanks so much for keeping them going. Question, if you guys don't mind chatting about the podcast or on the podcast about CBD oil and its uses for headaches. I've been stuck in the house and even with daily exercise, I'm getting headaches. Oh, Somebody suggested CBD oil would be a good solution. Uh, Ayana, thank you very much for that. Kat, do you have any... um uh desire to talk about that on the I, podcast. I mean <laughs> sure I mean sure. I I my husband and I both use CBD oil from time to time. I'd say I I don't use it as often. He has um he had knee surgery in the past and he had because hockey player so he he had a a lot of uh actually both knees had issues. One had surgery. So he finds CBD oil is very very good for managing that kind of pain and he uses it on a semi-regular basis and it really really works for him. Um for headaches, uh, you could definitely give it a try. I think it depends on the type of headache. For migraines and stuff, I don't know if it would help, uh, but it doesn't hurt. Let's put it that way. So you can get CBD oil at a lot of different places. Online, I think there's still a ton on the uh, government's website and on other websites too. So I would definitely give it a shot. Like It doesn't hurt. And by the way, people think CBD, oh my gosh, I'm going to be too screwed up. I can't do anything at work. No, no, no. If you don't know anything about it, here's the deal. CBD, and make sure you take what you're how much you're supposed to take, is not like THC. They're two different things. So CBD oil, you can actually buy it at a lot of different places. You don't necessarily have to go to a pot shop or anything like that. It is more of the relaxing, the calm, the pain relief, and stuff like that. Please note, I am not a doctor, so do whatever you think is best for you. But I we do have find, to throw in that disclaimer. Of course, we do. But but I do find that it is good for relaxation. I personally not used it for headaches, but uh, totally. If if somebody told you they have used it and it works for them, it's worth a try. Now, we'll point out to you, too, that everybody is different. Like, for some people, they respond to it really, really well. Other people, it's like they didn't even take it at all. So, with that said, again, like I said, it's worth a try. Just don't expect it to be, like, a miracle for everybody because it works differently with every person. Um, Why did we close the pot shops? Why did we declare them non-essential? I mean, marijuana is medicinal. For a lot of people. And since it became legal recreationally, a lot of people didn't bother going to the doctor to get a medicinal license. So they can't just walk into a pharmacy now and get the cannabis that they had been using. 
Yeah, they have to go through their doctor now is what they have to do. It kind of just forces them to to do that. So if they previously had a med- medical um, license or what have you to to get it, you have to make sure you call your doctor's office. And by the way, if you have a if you have a history of it, if you have a record of it, you can just call the office and usually like your doctor doesn't want you physically in there. So if you're fine and you don't need to be in there, they'll usually just go right to your pharmacy. They'll say, yep, this person gets this much and they'll go ahead and dish it out through the pharmacies. I think it makes sense. Like a lot of people have asked the question, why? the pot shop's closing and not the LCBO. It is different. It is different. They are worried, they say, that, and I'm sure it has to do with money too, but they, they are worried about the addiction factor in terms of alcohol because if you're going to shut that down for those who, uh, uh, the, the alcoholics who are using that to self-medicate and think what you want about it, but you're just going to flood up the hospitals if you shut that down for them and they don't have access to alcohol. They're going to flood the hospitals and we don't need that right now, right? It's different with weed. It's not the same thing. You're also going to create an insane black market. If they were to shut down the LCBO, let's talk about the essential list again. It's come up many times on the podcast. And when the pot shops were allowed to stay open, there was all kinds of people asking, well, why are the fucking pot shops open? That's not essential. Kat just explained why it's essential. And for the same reason, the LCBO is open. If you shut them down, You watch how quickly society gets unruly. You watch how quickly people are going over to a buddy's house because he knows his buddy has got a 40 or rye. You watch how quickly uh, people are going to start breaking into things to get booze. If people want it, they will get it come hell Mm -hmm. or high water. That's right. It makes so much more sense to keep these things open. And they're dialing it back. For example, the LCBO locations. Liquor Control Board of Ontario. It's the liquor store in Ontario, government-owned, in case you're listening in America. What's up, America? Thank you for listening. Um, If they shut it down, it would be fucking chaos. They can't shut down the LCBO. Glad that they've closed down on Mondays. Doesn't need to be open. Uh, They've restricted their hours. I think that was a mistake. I think they should have made the LCBO open 24 hours. I think it would have made a lot more sense for distancing. We don't want people crowded into the LCBO at the time it opens, 11 a.m., and and creating all this pandemic hysteria to try and get booze. It should be open anytime. We'll be spread out. It'll be good. As for the cannabis shops, um, cannabis is still available through the Ontario Cannabis Store. There's two problems with that. Number one, they don't fucking have anything. They have no edibles whatsoever. Very, very limited on the pills or the the gel capsules or whatever they're called very very limited on a lot of inventory this is a prime example of the private sector was doing it better we had these retail pot shops all privately owned they were well stocked they had inventory it was good when you take that away and just have the government as your source well all of a sudden we've got an inventory Mm -hmm. problem when we shouldn't here's the other problem uh canada post is who delivers Canada Post needs to check your ID to make sure that you are allowed to be getting that cannabis that you ordered from the government. The problem is they're not checking ID right now. So if you place an order with the Ontario Cannabis Store, it's going to get delivered to your local post office. What does that do? That creates big fucking lines at Canada Post. It's stupid. They should have just left the stores open. Who cares about the people that are complaining, that shouldn't be essential. You shouldn't need weed. Right. Well, that's not up to you. Everybody's different. Right. And now you can't say you can't say just because you don't smoke marijuana that nobody else should. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree with everything that you're saying right now. And a lot of those post office locations are inside, let's say, a shopper's drug mart. And a lot of people going inside the shopper's drug mart are going in there for specific pharmacy needs. And now you're mingling people who aren't necessarily there for the needs with the with the other people who are there to get their weed and everything else. And why not just have the, the pot shops open so the people who want pot can just go to the pot shop instead of having to go into a shopper's or whatever other post office location. I totally agree with you. Totally. Let's talk about Dr. Teresa Tam for a second, our chief medical officer of health. Uh, I've gone on record in this podcast after nine as saying she is a rock star. She is doing everything right. I think I want to dial that back a little bit. (laughs) I think I want to I think I want to apologize to you guys because I may have misled you a little bit on my uh, strong feelings for how well Dr. Teresa Tam was doing. And to do this, you have to go back to January in January. Dr. Teresa Tam said, yep, we're monitoring an outbreak in China, but I'm really worried about the anti-Chinese racism. That's what we've got to tackle right now, because I'm hearing that there's people who are shunning Chinese businesses. Well, as it turns out, there wasn't a lot of evidence that that was actually happening. There was anecdotal stuff. Uh, There was a fear amongst the Chinese community that it could happen, but there aren't a lot of documented cases of of that actually happening but that was her major concern at first and then you'll remember all the way through hey Teresa, do you think uh, travelers returning to canada should maybe self-isolate nope nope no need to do that right now everything is fine low risk to the public no human to human transmission we're good and there's a whole series of events if you google uh dr Teresa tam wrong you're gonna see probably about seven examples taken right from her tweets right that all turned out to be wrong but hang on so in all fairness to her this particular virus i mean we know it's a new virus and i'm not nobody really knows everything that they need to know about this virus even the top of the tippy top of the world health organization they're still trying to figure things out at first they didn't know it could be spread people to people they didn't know if animals could get it they didn't know a whole hell of a lot about this and now they're learning as they go and it's shitty and when you have to be that spokesperson that speaks on behalf of this particular virus that again is new and possibly evolving by the way it's possibly changing as it goes we don't know like this is a brand new thing here so to be the spokesperson for it and try to say oh this is fine this is fine maybe in the moment it was but things do change maybe what she needs to do going forward is be completely honest in that hey guess what we're still figuring this thing out too so Should you wear a mask? I know I told you a couple weeks ago, you don't need to wear a mask. Guess what? Maybe we should have said it doesn't hurt. Do it. Do whatever you feel you need to do. Is that fair? Well, you're on to something there. We don't know everything about it. It is still mutating. And in fact, one of the stories that I've got this morning, uh, I believe it's posted in my daily summary at scottandcat.ca, is how there's a number of people in South Korea who had been cleared of the virus. They were considered resolved who have now tested positive again. So what they're trying to figure out is, did they re-catch it, or did the virus just go down to an undetectable level Mm -hmm. in them, and now it's come back into a detectable level again, which means that they can transmit it again. So we don't know a lot about it. You're absolutely right. But as far as Dr. Teresa Tam is concerned, one of the reasons that people are really starting to question what she's telling us is because of the uh, inconsistency. It seems like she is herself a couple of weeks behind this. There was a suggestion over a month ago 
we should close the borders. She said, no, you don't close the borders. There's lots of proof that that doesn't work. Well, Dr. Tam, with all due respect, we did close the border. And now we're starting to see the vi- or the, the slow of the spread. So that was, uh, as it turns out, somewhat misguided, in my opinion, of your opinion. We probably should have closed the borders much sooner. Uh, can we trust people to self-isolate? Oh, yeah, we want this to be voluntary. We trust that people will self-isolate. Well, as it turns out, a lot of people didn't self-isolate. So now it has to be mandatory. And public health is wasting a lot of time dropping in on people and phoning to make sure that they're where they're supposed to be. And the one that really set people off was the masks. Nope, don't bother with the masks. It's not going to help you. I mean, it's important for healthcare workers to have it. Not important for the regular public to have it. And then yesterday she trots out there on that news conference and says, and she really tried to to spin it. Well, I mean, if you're going to be in an area where you can't necessarily physically distance yourself, it wouldn't hurt. But don't use a medical mask. Uh, Use a homemade mask. Put something over your face. Okay, listen, uh, put something over your face. Absolutely. Where was this advice a month ago? Mm. And unfortunately, it seems like our provincial medical officers of health are really on this. I mean, we've got Dr. David Williams here in Ontario. I forget the woman in BC, but she is brilliant. I am sorry I don't remember her name, but she's been right on the ball. And BC is doing a great job at flattening their curve. I think it's great all the different initiatives that they're taking, but I think they kind of take their cue from Dr. Teresa Tam because she's federal. And... You know, I'm really trying to figure out here. Does Dr. Teresa Tam truly believe things like we shouldn't close the border? Or was she warned? Don't say things like close the border, Dr. Tam. Don't say that. That's government policy. All you have to do is talk about the virus. Because there is a certain feeling out there that maybe Teresa is actually doing all the right things, but she's being told publicly to say different things that more correctly line up with the government agenda. You'll recall that when it came to climate change, Stephen Harper was often accused of silencing the scientists. Now there's people starting to wonder, was it actually Trudeau that silenced the scientists? People are asking questions like that because it seems like a lot of the advice we've been given from Teresa Tam ended up being contradicted by Teresa Tam herself. And we don't know, does she really believe that we shouldn't have been wearing masks a month ago? Does she really believe we shouldn't have closed the border? Or was she told to toe the line on government policy? We don't know the answers to that, although I'm sure when this is all said and done, there's going to be probably more freedom of information requests than ever in the history of government. People want emails. They want to know about conversations. They want to know what happened when, because we're all doing what we're supposed to do. We're sitting at home. We're physically distancing. We're listening to the advice of public health. But when public health tells you to do one thing in March and then something completely different in April, that's a little more than just the virus has evolved. That seems like we should have seen that coming because us regular people, we saw that coming. How did our chief medical officer of health not see it coming? Uh, these are all questions that people want answers to. And, and hey, listen, this isn't the time. 
to uh, to have some Senate inquiry. But eventually it will be time to ask some questions. Oh, we're going to look back on this and we're going to be learning so much about what's really happening, what's really happened behind the scenes, um, what's led to all of the decisions and all the speeches being made. We will find out eventually. But of course, we're all left to wonder right now. Yeah. Hey. Uh, why do we still have people in uh, long-term care and retirement facilities? Because the death toll at one facility alone in Bob Cajun is now 26 mm-hmm. as we record. They had three more deaths yesterday in that nursing home. It seems like this is like a cruise ship. We've just got these people in rooms that are in very close quarters and staff that circulate from room to room that could be spreading the virus from person to person. Is it time to start pulling people out of retirement residences and and locating them anywhere else but a retirement residence? Or do you think they're safest where they are? I, I, I don't. I, OK, so to get personal, I mean, my my grandmother is in is in a home right now, but but she needs to be there. She has Alzheimer's. It's very bad. Um and she needs around the clock care like she needs 24 7 care and a lot of the people in these homes do need that around the clock care and for whatever reason different family situations it's not like you can just take them in it's not as easy as that sounds they're just like oh don't worry they'll just stay with me for a bit there's a hell of a lot more to it um and there's money being that's involved as well right so no, I don't think everybody should be pulled out. I think that every family should have the the choice to, and perhaps some people already have done that, but I think you're running just as much of a risk in doing that. You don't know that your home is 100% safe or that you when you transport them, if that's going to be safe for them. You kind of do what, what you can and with the, with the most information that you have, I guess, circumstance to circumstance. But I'll tell you, it fucking sucks. Like, yeah. it fucking sucks to know that you know, my grandma is in a home right now. We just found out like less than a week ago that somebody who worked there did have COVID-19, tested positive. We know the last date this particular person worked. Um, I don't believe she was in the same wing as my grandmother, which is good. But it's shitty because we are not allowed to see her, and which is understandable. You can't have people coming in and out of there. That's what's going to help stop it from hitting these homes. But all it takes is one case, and if you're asymptomatic, and then it hits one of them, it could hit many of them, and they're grouped together. They're doing the best they can, uh, home by home. They've, I hope that by now, everybody's communicated with the families in every home what their course of action is, because it's hard when you can't be there, and you can't see it for yourself. How do I know you're not putting them at the same you know, seat right next to that person? How do I know you're not doing this? You better hope and trust and pray that the people in there are doing the right thing, and in most cases, I think they are. But I don't think that we should be in a rush to pull everybody out um, unless there's an area that has an actual outbreak and you feel like I need to get my old person out of this scenario. Get your old people. <laughs> you know, get your I need to get my old people out. I don't know. It's it's difficult. I No, I get it. And it does go case by case. I just have to wonder if there's people living in these facilities who could be um, more comfortable and safer going back to live with their family if the family is able to provide for them and offer them the care that they need and and situations like your grandmother's in okay that's probably different but if it's uh uh an option to pull them out of there i would seriously consider doing it i unfortunately lost all my grandparents but if they were in a facility and i was able to take care of them and offer them that i think i'd rather have them home just because it's real scary what's going on and the isolation is what really gets to me i mean our older people they love seeing us mm-hmm. and 
and they have such a connection to us that when they can't see us, that hurts them just as much as anything else does. Absolutely. So and I, some I of them don't bad. understand, right? And that that's a problem too, is some of them, even in their early stages of uh, dementia and Alzheimer's especially, but not just that, right? Just getting old. Uh, generally, you get a little bit confused and they might not be 100% clear on what's happening out there. And you, they don't have, you know, cell phones. You can't just, hey, FaceTime me. It's not That's not the case in a lot of scenarios. So you just better hope and pray for that communication you so want. And then they're sitting there, like you said, probably possibly in some cases confused with what's happening, not able to, you know, see anybody. And you wonder what kind of damage that's doing to them. I worry about it all the time. Uh, Norway says its coronavirus outbreak is under control now, thanks to a dramatic fall in the rate at which people have become infected. The health minister says the number of each people that each carrier can infect has fallen to 0.7. Hmm. Worldwide, it's at 2.5. And the WHO, World Health Organization, says anything under one means that the disease has effectively stopped circulating and will die off. Norway got the virus under control by carrying out 102,000 people for the virus or 18,996 tests per million people. That's compared to the UK's 2250 tests per million. Um, Basically, they just did a lot of testing and they quarantined the people with even mild symptoms so that they couldn't infect the rest of the population. They got it under control. You know, those Nordic countries and their healthcare is just world class. And that's not to take anything away from ours, but they just did aggressive testing and they were strict on quarantine and boom, they've got it under control. So I don't think they're all getting out of quarantine tomorrow or anything like that. But if they can wait it out for another week or two, I think they're in a good spot over in Norway. I wanted to highlight that because I think it's important that people have just a little bit of hope that they know it can be done. The virus can be beat. We've just got to be strict on it. Yeah. Uh, Last thing I want to touch on quickly here is uh, America, Donald Trump. He has imposed the Wartime Measures Act, which means he can compel a company to make products or to make more products for his country or whatever. And and there seems to be a lot of Canadians that are livid with Donald Trump because he ordered 3M, which is in Minnesota, to not ship the N95 respirator masks that they make to Latin America or Canada. He said, no, you got to keep them here in America. We've got a big problem here and we need a lot more masks. So the Canadian government went off. So two things on this. Number one, I don't blame Donald Trump. Donald Trump is the leader of the free world. But first and foremost, he's the president of the United States of America. And I don't necessarily blame him for wanting to take care of his people in the same way that I would like to think our leaders, if we were the country that made all these masks in the same way that they would make sure we were well stocked before we started exporting. I think a lot of people aren't looking at this situation through that lens. What would we do if it was us that had the masks? And eventually there will be something that Canada makes that the rest of the world wants and we'll have a decision to make. And I think we should remember this. Are we going to keep it for ourselves or take care of ourselves first before the rest of the world? Or are we just going to ship out a supply of masks to the whole world when we aren't even fully taken care of here? Let's think about that the next time something else comes up. But I do want to say, because there's more people that deserve credit in all of this so far. Christian Freeland, our deputy prime minister, is just a wizard. 
And you know she is because she's a liberal and nobody is a bigger fan of Christian Freeland than conservative Doug Ford. Yesterday, he called her a firecracker. He said (laughs) they are basically their mutual support animals. (laughs) Doug said he has found it therapeutic talking to Christia and Christia said she really enjoys talking to Doug Ford. I love that politics is getting put aside and that two people, federal and provincial, two totally different parties with completely different ideology, work together so well that they were successful in helping 3M convince the U.S. government that they should ship masks. So that order of three million, it's there. 500,000 of them are going to be in Ontario today to help our frontline workers. That's great. I think that's phenomenal. That's the kind of cooperation we need. No, I don't blame Donald Trump. I wish he had done it a different way, but I don't blame him for doing what he did. He's uh, He's got his issues in a lot of different ways, but I don't think this is one where he necessarily deserves a lot of criticism because uh, how can you blame a a leader for looking out for their own people Mm -hmm. and on a similar note the british prime minister is in intensive care as we speak they say he's in stable condition but shit that should be a wake-up call to a lot of people there's a lot of people who think the world leaders all have this secret supply of medicine that'll cure everything Uh, apparently not if you did subscribe to that philosophy or that secret society thing that these guys the ones that control the whole world will never die and that's why prince charles is as old as he is and the queen uh, apparently not because he's not doing too well over there so this should be a wake-up call that this virus really can't affect anybody yeah it's real it's real absolutely It's not a media conspiracy, in case you're wondering. Although, we do have that media meeting tonight where we're going to get together and discuss how we're going to take over the world. (laughs) It's ridiculous, isn't it? Uh, Guys, thanks so much for checking out the podcast. Like Scott said off the top, we are going to continue to give you those, and we appreciate you if uh, you took the time to listen. We'll have at least one more, uh, for sure, before the Easter long weekend, if long weekend even means anything to you guys anymore. I don't know each their own uh, but we will do that and we'll have a bonus missed connection edition coming up later on this week as well hi it's shauna and i might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables hey it's ryan and i might be a bad parent because i went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth johnny here i might be a bad parent because in my house the tooth fairy gives pocket change but we're not alone len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital and andy left his two-year-old at the rink all right guys i'm sure we're not alone like andy's kid for stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.